morning, if you'll please stand.
Amen. Isn't it good to be alive? And awake.
Aren't you thankful for that living hope that we don't just have on Easter Sunday, but that we have every day of the week? Amen. Amen. Good to see you this morning. Welcome to Northside. We're glad that you're here. While you're standing, take a moment and welcome those around you. All right, you may return to your seats and be seated. Well, good morning. We're glad that you're here today. Thank you for worshiping with us on this Sunday. Um, if this is your first time with us, we're thrilled that you are here. We would appreciate if you would let us know. There's a couple ways that you can do that. Um, you can scan the QR code inside the bulletin, or there's a Connect card out there that you can fill out. It just helps us to know... Um, who is here so we could just have a record of that visit. We want to pray for you, um, encourage you any way that we can. So we would appreciate if you would let us know. Um, please pay attention to the bulletin. There's a lot of stuff in there. Um, I'm just going to highlight a few things. Um, we got Bridging the Gap. That's this Saturday. If you're interested in going, please sign up. All the details are there. Next Sunday, we've got a spaghetti luncheon after the worship service. Uh, a fundraiser for a group that is going to Ecuador in the end of June. Um, and so just, if you're interested, stick around. There's no minimum amount that you have to give. It's just a, a way for us to kind of help those who are going to Ecuador. Uh, you see the cake auction that's coming up. The theme is Home Sweet Home. Pay attention to that. There's also a sign-up sheet out there. If you are interested in a mission trip with Casas Por Cristo, uh, Brian has been with him. He's shared one Sunday about that. If you're interested in that, sign up because we will have an interest meeting uh, at some point. We don't have a date yet set for that. We just need to know how many people would be interested. So if that interests you, that is a construction, building a house, that type of work. Um, and so if that interests you, please sign up uh, for that. There's also a word of thanks in the bulletin from Lanny and Wanda Adams. Um, and so please uh, pay attention to that as well, and then I'll make a couple of announcements right at the end of the service, because uh, if I make them now, we will all forget um, in the next hour. Uh, the scripture this morning that I want us to look at for praying the scripture comes out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. This is going to prepare us for the message this morning. 
It simply says this, For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Now, I don't think Paul here is, is making light of suffering. But what, he, what he's doing and what we're going to see in the sermon this morning is that he takes our suffering and then he compares it to eternity, which is forever and ever, and in light of that, it becomes light and momentary. So even if you were to suffer from the day you were born for 80 years, that's a long time to suffer, but compared to forever and ever and ever, it's light and momentary. And that, that'll lead us into this theme of glorification. So I want you to take a moment, and I just want you to pray through that verse. Maybe you're in the midst of suffering, or you know somebody who is, and you just want to pray for them. Maybe they're discouraged. Maybe they're losing heart, as verse 16 says. You just want to lift them up. Maybe you just want to praise God for the future hope of glory that we have one day. Um, maybe you're discouraged. That however the Lord leads you, just take a moment, pray through that verse, and then I will pray for us. Father, we thank you for the living hope that we just sang about. We thank you that, Jesus, you're still alive, not just on Easter Sunday, but every day of our lives. And God, that gives us hope. Father, this morning, maybe some people walked in here, and Father, certainly there are some who are suffering. Maybe they're just grieving today for a loved one who is suffering. Father, maybe they're tempted to lose heart. Maybe they're feeling overwhelmed in that moment. We're going to see in Romans that we do suffer. Suffering is part of the Christian life. But Father, help us not to only see the suffering, but help us to see our future glory that awaits us with you, Jesus. Help us to look at everything through that lens. Because that is what gives us the strength to endure in the midst of our sufferings today. If all we look at is our present circumstances, whether it's what we're seeing on TV or online, Lord, we could become very discouraged, very disheartened. And Father, maybe there's some validity to that because we're living in a crazy, jacked up, messed up world. But Father, this isn't all there is. There is a future glory that is coming that we are waiting for. And so we cry out to you, Lord Jesus, how long? We cry out this morning, Jesus, come, Lord Jesus. But until you come or until we take our last breath, Father, help us to keep our eyes on that glory so that we might have the strength to endure today. And Father, whatever we're going through, oh God, would you use it for your good for our good, for your glory, so that we might be conformed into the image of our Son. Your Son, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? Let's worship together.
Amen, amen. Thank you, choir. All right, at this time, our children are going to make their way out to Children's Church. Everyone else, if you'll take your copy of God's Word and turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. In the bulletin, you'll notice that this Tuesday night is um, our spring annual meeting for the Western Baptist Association. And that meeting is going to be held here. It starts at 6.30. Um, You are invited to come. Our worship is going to be led by our praise team. Um, So it's going to be a great time of worship. And then Brad Marchman is an evangelism consultant for Georgia Baptist, and he's going to be the guest speaker. So I just want to encourage you, if you are available, uh, just to come gather with us right here Tuesday night at 6.30. Romans chapter 8, if you will just say a word of prayer for me before I begin. I've had a cough for now three plus weeks. Um, It had not affected my speaking until Wednesday night, right? When we started Wednesday night, I had a coughing fit, and so... um, I'm just praying I can get through the sermon without having a coughing fit. I've been drinking a lot of water. I'm also praying I can get through the sermon without having to run to the bathroom. So (laughs) the section over here knows, usually during one of the hymns, I always leave almost every week. Uh, I hate doing that, but as we're going to talk about, one day we're going to get a glorified body, and we no longer have to have this body that decays and things don't work as well as they once did. So Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, we're going to look at the entire verses um, really beginning at 18 and working through verse 30, but please understand there's some verses I'm not going to touch on this morning. This is not an exhaustive, in-depth study of all of Romans 8. I'm just looking at, as we think about this big picture of glorification, because Romans 8 speaks to that um, as well. So I want to begin in verse 17, I'm going to read 17 and 18 And then I'm going to drop down to 29 and 30. Would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's word? Verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And then drop down to verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. You may be seated. I mentioned Wednesday night, tried to mention Wednesday night in the midst of my coughing spell, that that you and I are living in this space, this place between, for those of us who are Christians, we've come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a relationship with him, so we've been born again, justified, adopted, we've been set apart, we're being sanctified, we've repented, we've believed, and yet we're also waiting until the time that we get to go home to be with the Lord Jesus, or until the Lord Jesus returns. And in this space that we currently live, in between knowing Jesus and waiting to be with Jesus, we feel a tension between the present reality on earth and our future hope and glory. So what does Paul say about our present reality? Look at verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings, that the suffering, so... Right, we know who we are in Christ. That's what we've been talking about. 
over the last six weeks, all that is ours in Jesus, and when we think about salvation, but he also says our present reality is sufferings. We're going to suffer. But what does he say about our future hope and glory? He says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now listen to me. Just because you are born again and justified and adopted and redeemed doesn't mean you are guaranteed a life without suffering. Trials are real. Trials are hard. And sometimes even debilitating. But the glory that is to come is beyond compare. And so here's what I want us to understand this morning. In light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you and I must let our future hope of glory determine how we live and strengthen how you live on the earth in the present day of suffering. As I was just thinking through this, the Lord reminded me Back in the 2000s, I think the middle, 2004, 2005, my grandfather passed away. He'd gotten sick, um, but, but maybe a couple years prior to that, he, he, he was having some health issues, and he just got in a funk. Sometimes that happens, doesn't it? Just our trials become so overwhelming that just mentally, spiritually, we're just depleted. And I remember him being in a funk, almost as if he didn't want to keep living. And I remember sitting in, in one of the back rooms that, that he had where we would play Tetris and all that stuff sometimes and we would go visit. I remember just having a conversation with my grandfather. Just like, listen, at some point, Jesus is going to call you home. But that hadn't happened yet. And you could live several more years. And so you've got to make the most out of however long Jesus gives you. He was only looking at his present suffering. He wasn't seeing it through the lens of future glory. Now I give all the glory to Jesus and the Holy Spirit because his attitude changed. And he did live a couple more years after that. And so this morning, I want us to think about glorification, the final step in the application of redemption. Erickson, in his book on theology, writes, glorification is the point at which the doctrine of salvation and the doctrine of the last things overlap. For it looks beyond this life to the world to come. Beyond this life to the world to come. Listen to what James Gray writes. Complete in thee no work of mine. May take, dear Lord, the place of thine. Thy blood hath pardon bought for me, and I am now complete in thee. Yea, justified, O blessed thought, and sanctified salvation wrought. Thy blood hath pardon bought for me, and glorified I too shall be. And I love that. Our glorification is a certain thing that is coming. And so what I want to think about this morning is four things that are going to happen. We could say more, but four things that are going to happen when we are glorified or when Jesus, right, returns and ushers in the, the new heavens and the new earth. Four things that are going to happen. And in light of those four things, how you and I can have joy and even celebrate now and even find that hope in the midst of our present sufferings. So number one, first thing I want you to notice, glorification. Number one, creation will be restored. Creation will be restored. Verse 19, 
for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together and the pains of childbirth until now. When Adam and Eve sinned, not only did it bring a curse upon man and woman, but it also brought a curse upon creation. God curses the ground because of Adam's sin. And ever since then, not only has man been in bondage, but God's creation itself has been in bondage. And yes, we can see still the beauty of God's creation, but we recognize the creation itself is in bondage. It has been subjected to futility, and the creation is groaning, longing for its deliverance. The present time, though marked by God's beauty, is also marked by suffering. And we see this in the creation. But a day is coming. A day is coming when there will be no more thorns and thistles, no more hurricanes and earthquakes, no more floods or tornadoes, no more deserts or uninhabitable jungles, no more bees that sting or poisonous snakes. None of that will be anymore. There will no longer be starving children. All of this is happening because the creation has been subjected to the curse. The creation is not the way God designed it. It is groaning, longing for its deliverance. So listen, you and I need to understand, in light of that, in light of what's coming, that the creation will be restored, will be made new, renewed, you and I and the creation are not destined nor headed for annihilation. God's creation is not headed for annihilation. It is destined and headed for liberation and renewal. And that changes the way you view the world. Now, we talked about this a couple months ago in, in our men's time on Saturday morning. You and I, as God's stewards, whom God has created and his place in his creation, were to take care of God's creation. And so we ask things like, what can we do? Realistic things that we can do to help God's creation. And just a simple one is don't throw your trash on the ground, right? Just avoid the pollution the best that you can. If you want to recycle, that's great. Like just what are some things that you can do? Be wise stewards, but hear me, do not be doomsayers. We have a lot of them right now. The world is going to be destroyed. No, it's not. Not if you believe the scripture. Now, is judgment coming? Yes. But God is not going to annihilate his creation. He's going to liberate it. Now, how he's going to do that, what that's going to look like, I don't know. But he's not going to destroy it. So presently, what do we see? We see suffering. But a future glory is coming. Every time we read of earthquakes or read of tornadoes, we are reminded in our hearts a day is coming when we will never have to utter those words again because they will never happen. 
again. So brothers and sisters, have hope because the future glory is coming. Number two, and one of my favorites, we will be given a redeemed body. We will be given a redeemed body. Verse 23 says, and not only the creation, it's not just the creation that's groaning, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. We're groaning inwardly. Some of you groan outwardly every time you go from sitting to standing. Anybody in here? I find myself doing that. Some of you are doing that because you worked really hard yesterday outside on the work day. We appreciate that very much. So Paul says, we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons. Then you say, wait a minute, pastor, I thought you said last week that we have been adopted. Yes, that's what verses 12 through 17 speak of. God has adopted our spirit, our soul. We can say we are children of God, but what he says is we're still awaiting the redemption of our bodies. He's going to redeem not just our soul, but our bodies. Because Christ lives, we live. And because Christ was raised bodily, one day we will receive resurrected, glorified bodies. Amen? That's what Scripture teaches. If you have your copy of God's Word, go over to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15 is a, an exceptional explanation of the importance of the resurrection of Jesus. And he's taking up this issue of some saying there's no resurrection of the dead. And he's saying, listen, if Jesus has not been raised, then no, there is no resurrection of the dead but if Christ has been raised then there will be a future resurrection the resurrection changes everything and then he begins to give an illustration of sowing a seed into the ground and watching it grow into something much more wonderful the same seed that is sown and dies there in the ground becomes the plant that grows and lives and so we know spiritually we are to put to death sin that we are dead, in, dead to our sins and alive in Christ. We know that spiritually. But we also know that for us to receive glorified bodies, right, is going to require death. Our bodies are being sown so that they can be raised. So if you look there beginning in verse 42, it says, So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown, that's this body, is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. Our resurrected bodies will not wear out, grow old, get sick, become injured, or die. He says what is sown in dishonor is raised in glory. Our bodies will no longer be dishonorable or imperfect, but glorious. What is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. They will not be subject to stress or fatigue or weakness. And then he says what is sown in natural body is raised a spiritual body our resurrected bodies will be fully oriented to fully filled with the holy spirit so in this present world we suffer our bodies decay they will eventually die everyone unless jesus comes will die yet we have hope because we know christ is coming again and those living in christ and those who died in christ will receive glorified bodies. Now, that begs the question that many of us would like to know. What is our glorified body going to look like? And I don't really have the answer to that, and we're not going to get into that um, this morning. I remember years ago, 
And Landon's not in here, so <coughs> I can tell the story. Uh, years ago, Landon was wrestling with death. And he began to ask questions. Will my whole body go into the ground? Do I get to keep my head? Do I get to keep my belly? Like, what's this body going to look like? So Ryan tried to explain to him that he's going to get a new body, right? A glorified, a resurrected body that's going to be so much better. And so then he wanted to know, well, is it going to be the same color? So Ryan said, the same color as what? And he's like, the same color as this. Like, he, he wanted to know, am I going to look like this? Am I, am I going to resemble this body? All of us have those questions. What's it going to look like? How old am I going to be? Like, what's the ultimate age that we'll, we'll function at? And a lot of that we don't know. But I want to encourage you with this. Because this is what typically gets us discouraged. In those resurrected bodies, church, there will be no cancer, no Alzheimer's, no heart attacks. In those bodies, there will be no kidney stones, stomach bugs, flu, COVID, or allergies that make you cough for weeks. In those bodies, there will be no shortness of breath, no hearing loss, no impaired vision, no weak and frail bones. In those bodies, there will be no heartburn, no ongoing struggle with weight gain, no receding hairlines. In those bodies, there will be no more shots, amen? No more surgery, no more physicals, no more antibiotics, no more dialysis, no more expensive medicines. In those bodies, there will be no more depression, anxiety, mental illness, or suicide. And in those bodies, there will be no more death. Amen, church? Listen, all those things that I mentioned are things that different people in this room right now are struggling with. And, and they're real. And they're hard. And at times, as I said, can be debilitating. And if your eyes, like my grandfather's were, are only on your present day of suffering, you will be discouraged. But when you compare them to eternity with Jesus, he says in Romans, you can't even compare them. Can't. So presently we see suffering, but a future glory is coming. So have hope, brothers and sisters. Number three, we will be made like Christ. Romans 8.28 is a verse that almost everyone in this room probably knows, and it's a verse that is so encouraging, right? It promises us that we know that God is working all things together for good. Now hear me, not everything is good. There's a lot of evil and sin and wickedness in the world. But what that verse promises us is that God can even take that, which Satan means to destroy us, to kill, to steal, God can even take that which is evil and somehow work it for our good and for his glory. So cling to Romans 8, 28. An incredible promise, but don't forget verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. What God's doing in working all things together for good is he's ultimately conforming you and I into the image of his Son. 
He is promising that he is going to do that. And so as followers of Jesus Christ, we ought to seek to imitate Christ. Right? John the Baptist says, he must increase, I must decrease. Paul says here, we're being conformed to the image of his son. This ought to be the desire of our heart. God, make me more like your son. But in this life, we struggle, don't we? We fail to trust his promises. We fail to love as Christ loved. We fail to forgive as Christ forgives. We fail to follow Jesus. We fail to obey Jesus. We fail to live for Jesus. So often it seems like we take one step forward and then three or four steps backward. Sometimes in our suffering, if we're honest, we begin to doubt God. Instead of coming to him to find the rest that he offers, we run from him only to find more pain, more sorrow, and more restlessness. We know we ought to imitate Christ, but we just don't measure up. And boy, does Satan know it. Satan comes to you and he accuses you, he attacks you, he mocks you, he belittles you, all the while seeking to destroy you. And we get weak, we get tired, we get discouraged, sometimes to the point of despair. But hear me, brothers and sisters, in the midst of that suffering, in the midst of your shortcomings, don't lose hope because God has promised to conform you into the image of his son. He's going to, whatever it takes, make you more like Jesus. And you should keep desiring to look more like Jesus, knowing that 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Don't stop pushing and striving to become more like Christ. This in-between stage of coming to know Jesus and longing to be with Jesus is a life of sanctification. He's preparing you for that. He's making you more like Jesus. And then that's part of the glorified body so that in a glorified body we can be with Jesus because we can't be in his presence in these decaying sinful bodies. But a day is coming and we will be like Jesus. And lastly, we will be completely delivered from sin. Can I get an amen? Completely delivered from sin. Look at the certainty with which Paul speaks here. (coughs) For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Those whom he justified. We talked about that several weeks ago. Those whom he declared righteous. Those whom he declared your guilt has been taken. Your sins have been paid for. You are forgiven. The penalty of sin taken in my son. Those whom he justified, what's he say? He also glorified. He also glorified. Paul speaks as if it were already completed. Because he is certain God will finish it. Now this is important. You won't be glorified unless you've been justified. You will not receive resurrected bodies to live with Jesus forever and ever 
unless you first have been justified, made right with God here and now. And we know we're not made right with God by works, but by faith in Jesus. So maybe you're thinking about what future is going to be like. Your focus needs to be, are you made right with God now? And if you're not, then you ought to live in fear of eternity, not looking forward to it. But do you know Jesus? Have you trusted and believed in Jesus? For you won't be glorified unless you've been justified. And if you are justified, then you will be glorified. You will be glorified. Presently, we see suffering, but a future glory is coming. So I have hope, brothers and sisters. Don't stop fighting against sin. Don't stop putting your sin to death. Don't stop standing for truth and righteousness in a world that itself has given itself over to sin and debauchery and wickedness. Don't give yourself to that. Keep standing for Jesus. Stand fast, for a day is coming when your sin shall be no more. Keep putting it to death. Richard Baxter wrote, My knowledge of that life is small. The eye of faith is dim, but it's enough that Christ knows all, and I shall be with him. Let me close with an illustration that many of you in this room have probably heard. Uh, it's one that I remember hearing years ago, and I just think it's uh, very applicable to this. There was a woman, she'd been diagnosed with a terminal illness. <coughs> she'd been given three months to live. So she began to get her things in order, and as she began to do that, she called her pastor and said, Pastor, can you come over? I don't have much time to live. I'd like to go over some of my final wishes. So the pastor came over, and she began to tell the pastor the songs that she wanted them to sing at the service, what scriptures that she would like read at the service, what outfit she wanted to be buried in. The woman also requested to be buried with her favorite Bible. Everything was in order. They finished the conversation. The pastor got up to leave. He began to walk out the door when the woman said, Oh, wait, pastor, I forgot something. There's one more thing. This is very important. I want to be buried with a fork in my right hand. The pastor stood looking at the woman very confused. She said, I, I know, pastor, that surprises you, doesn't it? And, um, he said, ma'am, to be honest, I'm completely puzzled by your request. But the woman explained, in all my years of attending church socials and potluck dinners, she had to be Baptist. I always remember that when the dishes of the main course were being cleared, someone would inevitably lean over to me and say, keep your fork. It was my favorite part because I knew that something better was coming. Something like velvety chocolate cake or deep dish apple pie or maybe a peanut butter pie or maybe some homemade cinnamon rolls. I, I don't know, just something good that was coming. Something wonderful and with substance. So I just want people to see me there in that casket with the fork in my hand and I want them to wonder, what's with the fork? Sure enough, people begin to come past the casket and the pastor began to hear conversations of people saying, what's with the fork? And at the funeral, as people were sitting there and the pastor began to deliver the message, he told them the story and he said, the next time you reach down for your fork, let it remind you also gently that the best is yet 
to come. Brothers and sisters, you and I do not have to fear death. Now, I don't believe we are to be those who seek to usher it in as well. We are those who are trusting in the providence of God. He's numbered our days, and we're going to trust him. We're going to lean on him. We're going to follow him. Let me read by reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 17. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 16 through, or seven, beginning of verse 17. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Brothers and sisters, hear me as we close. For those of us who are in Christ, this world is as bad as it gets. For the best is yet to come. But hear me. If you do not know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life, you have never confessed your sins, repented of your sins, and thrown yourself upon Jesus for salvation. Hear me. This world is as good as it gets for you. For the worst is to come. Hell and damnation and eternity separated from Jesus Christ is what awaits you. So believe and trust in Jesus Christ this morning. For if you don't know Jesus, annihilation is not what awaits you. But rather, you will spend an eternity separated from Jesus Christ. And for us as Christians, those who have come to know the Lord, but are waiting for the day when we get to go home to be with the Lord... Let us keep holding fast to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, for he is coming soon, and we will be with him forever. Somebody say amen. 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 Let's pray. Oh, Father, as I mentioned earlier, we, we watch the news. We, we're aware of what's going on around us. Lord, it's hard. It's overwhelming at times. And no one in this room is exempt from, from feeling that despair in their hearts and lives. And so God, my prayer this morning, the week after Easter Sunday, as we focus on the resurrection of Jesus, is that we understand that the resurrection of Jesus is something that changes us forever. And this morning, if we would, God, just recognize our trials and our problems are real, but choose rather to keep our eyes on you, Jesus, and the future hope of glory, then, Father, that will enable us to endure and to make it through some of the hardest things that we could possibly go through. Father, for those in this room who are in, that's their circumstance, that's, that's their lot, they're, they're suffering physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, maybe Suffering because of something that has happened in their life, oh Lord, I pray that they would just take their eyes and focus on you. For there is a future glory that awaits them. Father, for the person who would say, I'm on the mountaintop and I'm growing and I'm following Jesus, then Lord, I pray that they would cherish those moments and would keep pursuing you. And even on the mountaintop, they would still cry out, come Lord Jesus, come, because we want to be with you. We want to see you. 
Father, we have hope even in the midst of this fallen, broken world. The creation groans. This morning in our hearts, we are groaning. The Spirit intercedes and groans on our behalf. And, oh, Father, you hear all. And at just the right moment, God, you're coming for your people. Help your people to hold on, to keep seeking you, to keep following you, to keep growing. Conform us into your image. Oh, God, we pray for we don't know what else to pray. Strengthen us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope the message encouraged your heart, that, that you're lifted up and, and built up. We do want to have a time of, of invitation. We're going to sing about the Father's will being done in our life. The altar is open if you want to come and pray. Pray with somebody else. Just come and thank God for the future hope and glory that we have. You may do that, but would you stand? Let's worship together. <coughs> walked, so I shall walk, held by your same unchanging love. Be still, my soul, oh, lift your voice and pray, Father, not my will, but yours be done. How in that garden persistent I may never fully know the fearful weight of true obedience it was held by him alone what wondrous faith to bear that cross to bear my sin what wondrous love my hope was sure there my Savior prayed, Father, not my will, but yours be done. When I am lost, when I am broken, in the night of fear and doubt, still I will trust in my good Father. Yes, to one great King I bow. As Jesus rose, so I shall rise in ransom glory at the throne. My heart restored, with all your saints I sing, Father, not my will, but yours be done. As we go forth, our God and Father, lead us daily in the fight that all the world might see your glory and your name be lifted high. And in his name we overcome.
see us safely home. Now as your church, we lift our voice and pray, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And in this name, we overcome, for you shall see us safely home. Now as your church, we lift our voice and pray, Father, not my will, but yours be done. 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 Amen. You may be seated for just a moment. Let's go over a couple of a quick announcements that we haven't gone over yet. Uh, let me say again, thank you to all of you men and women who helped yesterday, whether it was mulching or chopping down some trees or working on the, the ditch over here, cleaning windows. There were multiple different things uh, that were done yesterday, and so thank you very much uh, for that. Uh, VBS, we are still in need of volunteers. So Ms. Rachel is going to be right over here at the, the children's area. If you are interested in helping with VBS, please see Rachel High schoolers, you are allowed to help for Vacation Bible School. We have a, a VBX for our middle schoolers. High schoolers, you can help. So we need the help. So please go let her know that you are willing to do that. Also, our T-shirts are available. You can go ahead and purchase yours. They are $5 for everyone this year. Usually we only charge for the kids, but the cost has gone up for the really nice soft shirts. And so we're asking everybody to pay $5 if you would like a shirt. You can purchase that today. Um, as well. Don't forget about the WBA meeting on Tuesday night. And if we can get some men who can help take down the cross right after the service and carry it and put it behind the admin building, uh, we would greatly appreciate that. So if some of you, and ladies, I don't want to, if you strong and you want to carry a cross, you come on too. Uh, whoever wants to come help. Youth, um, if you helped yesterday, you may want to be like, I'm sitting this one out. I'm already sore. So we need some, some people to come help. All right, who's the deacon of the week? Steve, will you come and dismiss us with a word of prayer? If you'll stand, we have our normal evening activities tonight. We resume those tonight, so come take part in that. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we uh, come to you this morning and listen to the word being preached by our pastor, and we're grateful for it, Lord. And as he talked about glorification, it's, um, it's so encouraging to know that um, this world that we're living in is going to be restored and that we don't have to fret and be worried about uh, the lies that are out in the world that says we're going to be annihilated. Um, rest assured that we keep going back to your word, Lord, and uh, have the faith and the strength to witness to people about the truth. And the truth is that you're coming back and then we're going to be restored, and we're going to walk with you in heaven. I pray, Lord God, for each person here, their family, their uh, children and grandchildren, loved ones, that if they're lost, Lord God, that there be an opportunity to be a witness, and that salvation will come even today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat>